When today's guest began his journey, he was suicidal and drank alcohol every morning to get through the day. Now, he has quadrupled his income, married the woman of his dreams, and found happiness and contentment. His book entitled The Standing Meditation describes his journey and the transformative practice he learned. Welcome to the show, Nate. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing wonderful. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for being on this episode of Mirror Talk. I really appreciate your presence here. And I really want to say thank you one more time for sending across your book to me. I, I, it's, a, it's a blessing to, to read um, the standing meditation and to, you know, read your story. Like the, the first couple of chapters, you know, you're going deep into your you know, family story, about your, your parents, divorce, about your, um, dropping out of college, about your business that failed, like trying to log into the system. And um, yeah. yeah, the password has changed. I was like, I, I pictured myself right in that moment with you. And I, was, I felt, you know, I, I felt part of the pain that you could have possibly felt that time. And I really appreciate the fact that you really detailed everything in the book and, you know, took us through that journey from your lowest points to what you did in order to become who you are today. So, I would just love you to, you know, um, narrate all of this to me. Like, um, would you like to you know, share your story, you know, from that lowest point of your life, your parents getting divorced, you know, you and your brother in the basement playing video game, and your, <laughs> your parents called you upstairs to share the story, and, you know, dropping out of college, you know, going broke and becoming bankrupt, and, you know, walking on the street, you know, turning signs, up onto this moment in your life where you are, you know, content, you are happy, and, you know, you have everything that you, you want to have. Uh, I'd I'd love to thank you. <laughs> when you call those moments out, I'm I'm remembering and and yeah, I, I could look back on it and laugh now. It's great, but um, yeah. but yeah, I grew up in a very emotionally shut down, very closed hearted family, um, and I was a really angry, depressed kid growing up. Uh, and and yeah, like like you mentioned, um, when I was seven years old, my parents called my brother and I upstairs. We were playing a video game or on the computer. And we ran upstairs really quickly. We, we wanted to get back to our game. And my mom announced, your father and I are getting a divorce. And we barely even knew what the heck that meant. And we were just so involved in our own lives that we were just like, uh, okay. And ran back downstairs. Um, and they did, they got divorced. Um, and as I got older, actually, I got more depressed. Um, in high school, I was very socially awkward, didn't make any friends. Prom night, I stayed home and watched TV. Um, and I thought when I went to college, things would be different. Uh, so when I got to university, I, I thought, well, I'm around new people, so I can, I can start over again. But I, found, I figured out within like hours, just like my first day on campus, that Nothing would change because I was still the same awkward, emotionally shut down, um, Im immature person on the inside. Um, I, I actually dropped out of school. Um, I, I packed up all my stuff and left. I said goodbye to nobody. The only person who probably knew I was gone was my roommate because he walked back in and saw half the stuff cleared out of out of the dorm room. Um, but I was still interested in starting a business of my own and somehow build the kind of life I wanted. Um, and I did, I actually, I actually started building an online based business and I sunk all my money into it and I used my own credit cards. Um, now we had some hit or miss success. Um, I was partnered with my older brother at the time, but we, st I started to lose more and more money and the bill, the bills started piling up more and more. In fact, they'd, they'd show up in the mail and I'd throw them down on the floor. And then I would just like throw some other mail on top of them to try and hide them, which is a terrible financial strategy, by the way. Um, and I remember being so scared 
and uh, and not knowing what to do. And I was more depressed than ever. And the weird part is, I was really into a lot of self-help stuff. Like I was trying, I was working hard. I figured, well, I'll just set more goals. I'll, I'll try and think as positive as I can. I'll even try saying all kinds of affirmations, but something was missing. And I remember I was, I got so lonely at my lowest points. I'd be curled in the field position on the floor, silently crying. Um, and I, I really did think about killing myself. Um, fortunately, I, I had a teacher at the time who was into a, a spiritual tradition called Taoism. And um, something about it just kind of caught my attention. And he started teaching meditations and, and practices from the spiritual tradition. One of them is a meditation where you, where you do it and you're, and you're standing while you do this meditation. Um, and I tried meditation before and I'd like, I wasn't that into it. So I just, I'd got so-so results. But when I started trying this, I, I made a promise to myself. I said, okay, I will start and I'll do this every morning. And I'll, I'll just start with just like 60 seconds. I was like, can I do 60 seconds? Sure. And at the time in my life, I was drinking alcohol um, just to get through the day. Uh, a shot of vodka, or actually it's probably more like a couple shots of vodka mixed with an energy drink. And that was like my breakfast. I was still doing that. So I would actually do this meditation and then I'd go drink this vodka concoction. But I noticed something interesting. I start to feel a little bit better, more energized, like a buzz building from this meditating. And it started to catch up to where one day I felt like almost as good as when I drank the alcohol. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And then one day I felt so good from the meditating when I drank the alcohol, I didn't feel better. I just felt more, uh, more drunk. So I thought, I wonder what's gonna happen if this, if this trend continues. Well, within a day or two, I was meditating. I was, I was feeling pretty good. Like my self-hating thoughts, my looping thoughts were like quieting down. I started like liking myself more. I just felt better in my body. And, and then I did the meditation and then I went to go take a drink of alcohol and I actually felt a little worse. Felt like a little more tired, a little more out of it. And I realized I I changed so much inwardly that drinking alcohol in the like first thing in the morning just wasn't resonating with me anymore. So actually I, I, I stopped drinking that vodka in the morning and it's just what happened to me. I'm not saying it's going to happen to everyone, but it was really fascinating. So I noticed that people started reacting differently to me. Like I was in a better mood and pe other people had actually picked, it wasn't just me. Other people would pick up on and say, Hey Nate, there's something different about you. So I knew it wasn't just in my head. Um, and, and one day I remember just meditating and doing this meditation and I felt like my body was glowing like the sun. And I sat down on my futon and I said to myself, I'm going to dedicate my life to this because nothing else has worked like this has. So now my mission is to tell other people about the power of Taoism and spirituality and how integrating spirituality into your life can make such a big difference. Um, and as you said, there's a lot more that happened to me. Like I had some business partners betray me. I had to get a job spinning sets. We can get into that, but that's sort of like, that was like inwardly going from the darkest moments to, to being able to start crawling out of it. Yes, that's awesome. And you know, um, I, I love the fact that you, you explained this immortal post in your book. Like you explained what Taoism, how you discovered Taoism. And you talked about the immortal, immortal post, and I, I love the illustration. Actually, like you know, showing every, uh, showing us how to bend our nails, how to put, place our jaws, and how to relax ourselves. So, 
and that, that started all the, all the way in chapter five, where you, you talk about discovering Taoism. So can you share this with us? Can you tell us what Taoism means and how can we relate Taoism to Qi and to harnessing energy? That was last chapter five, six, and seven. I always Oh, <laughs> and thank you so much. I really, I, I really appreciate you going looking through my book and really closely, closely reading it like that. Um, and absolutely, yeah. So Taoism is a spiritual tradition. It goes back thousands of years. Um, it, it originally started. I be, uh, it's believed, it is believed to have started with shamans in what is now known as uh, Siberia in present day. And they and they traveled down and it really blossomed in, in China. So this, in the spiritual tradition of Taoism, the practitioner seeks harmony through balance in all things. Now, this can be balanced with their environment, with their community, with their family, and also balanced with how they treat their bodies physically, uh, energetically, and, and dedicating time to prayer and solitude, and also spending time with loved ones. So uh, uh, a modern uh, Chinese herbalism comes from Taoism. Acupuncture, where they, where they stick the needles all over your body, um, that comes from Taoism. And what's, all, what's also really amazing about Taoism is that they have their own system of meditations that can affect you uh, mentally and emotionally and improve your life. So what's, what's fascinating about it is that even thousands of years ago, they were on to something that, that some modern scientists are starting, starting to figure out today, which is there's this subtle energy, the Taoists call it qi, that just permeates throughout the entire world, our bodies, the universe. And when I, and, and, and the key to having physical, mental, and emotional health is to work with this energy in your body. Now, when I first heard about this, I thought it was pretty woo woo and out there. Um, but modern science is actually showing that in our body, we have, we have tissue in our body called fascia tissue. Now, previously, scientists were just like, oh, yeah, this fascia tissue, it just kind of holds your organs in place. It's everywhere in your body, but that's all it does. It's just like, it's almost like rubber. Um, yeah. But what they're finding out now is that there are actually channels in this fascia tissue where something called piezoelectric energy runs through. And these channels match up with the channels that Taoists mapped out when they did acupuncture. And this piezoelectric energy affects our stem cells. And, and the proliferation of how our how our bodies develop. So it's I love geeking out on this because it shows there really is something to it. Now, when I started learning about Taoism, I didn't know any of that. All I knew is that they had a meditation done standing up, and it's like you said, and it's called the immortal pose. Now, it's not done standing like straight up, like you're standing in line at the bank. You have your feet out farther than the width of your shoulders. You unlock your knees and then you tuck your hips slightly uh, the way I think it's best described is like you're trying to sit on a super high bar stool. It's not it's an invisible bar stool, but it's kind of like you're you're trying to tuck your pelvis to like rest on it. And then you hold your hand, hands and arms out in front of you like you're holding a, a beach ball or you're hugging a tree and then you tuck your chin down. Now, what this is doing is it's lengthening and straightening your spine gently. Um, and when you do this, you'll find that once you relax your body, it's almost like you can start resting in this position. But, but why are you doing it? Uh, holding a position like this opens up these channels of energy in your body. And it opens, it opens you to the energy in your environment that's outside, outside your body. And when this happens, this, when the energy starts running through you, um, it can start uh, uh, disintegrating and dissolving old emotional gunk 
that's been trapped in you. And that's how I was able to finally break out of the emotional patterns that I couldn't quite get at with the rest of the self-help stuff I was doing. So that there's kind of like the, the 10,000 foot view of, um, of, of Taoism and meditation. And, you know, you talked about the, the pillars of Taoist um, meditation also. Can you, can you talk about this to us? Like you, you talked about, you know, um, if I, there's imagination there, there, there are other stuff. There's um, intention. Intention is the first one, actually. And then you have um, sense, sensation is also there and attention is there. You so you have it. intention, attention, sensation, imagination. You nailed it, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because when I first learned about meditation in general, which was way before any of this, because I, you know, it's great. Everyone knows about meditation, which is fantastic. I I hope more and more people learn it and try it out. Um, But I thought it was just sitting and being quiet and trying to just shut off your thoughts, which I mean, that's tough. And it just drove me. It drove me nuts. So the, the ancient Taoists had a really cool framework for any kind of meditative practice, not, not just trying to quiet your mind or sit down or something like that, but, but with anything they did. And like you said, um, there, there are four of them. And the first is intention. Now intention is very simple. What do you want? And what are, what is your objective? What are you going for? Now it's simple, but if you take a moment and think, it's like, how often do we really set our intention whenever we do something? And I don't mean just meditation, although it definitely applies there. When you are looking uh, to start a new career, what is your intention? And I don't mean just like the job or the commute or the money. It's like, well, how does that fit into the lifestyle you want? If, if you have, if you're looking at two jobs and one of them pays more, but one of them might be an hour and a half away and it might be an environment of people you dislike, is it really better? Well, I can't answer that. You have to you have to relate that to your intention. What is the outcome? What do you want? Now, and and then and when you sit down and meditate or stand up and meditate, what do you want? When you have that in mind, everything starts working in your favor to start making that intention a reality. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it will start working in your favor. Um, now, the next three um, are attention. So unlike intention, which is like the conscious like direction you place on something, your mental focus, uh, your outcome, attention is more open. It's more you receiving feedback. It's paying extra attention. When you meditate, you pay extra attention to what your body feels like, the sensations in your body. Uh, You pay attention to your environment. What do you hear? Uh, What do you see? What do you feel? Very important one. What do you feel? Um, And it's important, one, because you're getting feedback with your attention and you you need to pay attention to get feedback. And number two, when you're paying attention to your body and what's around you, it, it, it uh, quiets down the chatter, your mental chatter, because now you've got an outward, outward focus. Uh, Next is sensations. Now this ties in really well with attention because sensations are going to come from your physical body. Like, do you feel warm? Do you feel the weight, the physical weight of your body? Do you feel aligned? Like in your chair, do you feel like, oh, I'm suddenly I'm like slouching this way or I feel like too much weight is on one side of my body. Can you align it so you feel equally distributed? Um, Do you feel certain emotions coming up? Do you suddenly feel agitated or fearful? And and, And it's like, why? It's not connected to anything. But the important thing is you're feeling the sensation. 
Um, and again, this is huge for quieting the conscious, you know, chatter of your mind. Oh, I got to send this email. I got to pay this bill. Da, 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 da. Because when you're paying attention to your sensations, again, it, it, it's like shifting gears from looping thoughts to feeling. Um, and finally, there's your imagination. Now, this one is super cool because um, imagination is huge, huge in our life. We can use, we can harness the power of our imagination to create the life we want, to help create it. And we can also use the power of our imagination to beat ourselves down, which is what I did for the first 25 years of my life or 24 or something like that. Um, and any spiritual tradition, they harness the power of your imagination because you can imagine feeling warm in your body when you meditate. You can imagine feeling your body as very, very heavy. And this will calm you down. This will relieve stress. And this will get you into a deeper meditative state. So it, it's, it seems like a lot at first. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't mean to like pile on all this stuff. It's like, oh, my God, I'm just trying to meditate. And I have to remember like <laughs> attention or something. Yeah, but it, it all it all has a purpose. Um, and when you when you are conscious of all of these, you can start using them for your benefit. So I'm gl so I'm glad you asked. Yes, uh, thank you so much for explaining that. You know, one thing you mentioned now, right now when you talked about attention is like you know you know focusing, for example, is what I understood from that. But sometimes it could be very difficult for us to you know quiet our mind when we're trying to meditate. Like we have all of these thoughts, like you said, you know. I have to pay this bill, I have to answer this email or write this email. It's very difficult for us to quiet our mind sometimes. So do you have like some ways for us to, you know, keep our mind calm so that we could effectively meditate and pay attention on our intentions? Yeah. Um, my favorite is to um, focus on your breathing in a certain way. Um, and it's, it, it's really, really, really beautiful. I'll show you how. So you could place one hand on your belly area and one hand on your chest, um, either one. And the key is when you breathe, make sure the hand on your belly uh, moves and rises and falls with your breath. And the hand on your chest stays more still. Now you're getting real-time feedback that um, makes you breathe deeper in, and, 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 low, and activates your diaphragm so that you take a full deep breath. Now, this is a great exercise. And once you get used to it, you, you don't even need your hands anymore. So when you're meditating, whenever your thoughts uh, go off the rail and they will, I mean, that's what they do. They, they go off the rail. So it's going to happen over and over and over. And that's okay. That's okay. It's totally okay. And it's important to know it's okay. Because the last thing we want to do is start thinking about how much we're screwing up just because we start thinking <laughs> It's just this downward spiral. But whenever you, whenever you start thinking, just return to your breath. And this is where attention and sensation come in. You're, you're, you're shifting your attention from your thoughts to the sensation of your breath. And plus, you're, just, you're breathing deeply, which is just great for you. It's great for stress relief. It's great for optimizing your hormones. It's great for increasing your focus. It's great for your well-being. And speaking of the energy running through our body, when you breathe deeply, you're gently massaging your internal organs. Uh, the Taoists would call them your yin internal organs, uh, your, your uh, spleen, uh, your liver, um, 
even your kidneys a bit, they're, they're kind of down there, but still they, they, they get reached a little bit. Um, and, and also your, your young organs, your, your, your large and small intestine your, and your stomach. So everything gets massaged. This is going to cause emotions to come up because there's a lot of old emotional residue still in that area of your body, but it's a good thing because when it comes up and you're feeling it, you're, you're finally processing it. Um, so what the pattern I found is that when I breathe deeply and I get into that meditative state and I, and I start to finally calm those thoughts down, that's when the feelings start rising up. It's almost like our thoughts are like a barrier to our feelings. Cause it's like, it can be painful to deal with them sometimes. But since I know what's going on, I'm like, it's okay to feel it's okay to feel. And then maybe, um, anger will come up or fear will come up. And I just, I keep breathing. And as long as I do that, it'll, it'll dissipate. And then something else will come up. It's, it's a process. It keeps going, but, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a healthy process. It's, it's like, I, I like to think of it like exercise. It's like, you're never done, but you're, you're going to get better and better and better. And you're doing a really wonderful thing. If you are a professional looking at the European startup scene, Germany is a place you cannot miss. Fortunately for you, there is StartupRad.io, the authority on German startups. This English-only podcast brings you fresh interviews each week. Most likely, you have never heard or read anything on these startups before in English, but you will in the future. Be ahead of the curve and subscribe to StartupRad.io podcast or check for the StartupRad.io internet radio station. Check your Alexa for the StartupRad.io skill as well. I love that you mentioned that because I think in, in Appendix A or something you wrote A you wrote about you know the things that could come up or the things that you could experience when practicing you know the mortal post or standing meditation and I, I love the fact that you mentioned that so can you like you know maybe broaden it a little bit and tell us what we could experience when we practice the mortal post? Oh yeah, there's there's a whole range of weird things that can happen. Um, and this and, and and a lot of these can happen with any kind of meditation. Uh, your muscles might start jerking and you might start shaking. And it can get it's, it can get very bizarre, especially if you don't think this will happen. Because like, wait, why am I why am I moving like this? Why am I? Sh it's like involuntary. It's actually a good thing because when we go through stressful situations in our life, um, where we we or we do we do something we regret, or or we don't do something and regret that. Later on, that when that's stored in our body, it's almost like our body wanted to move in a certain way, but it didn't get to. And then we get tension as a result. Well, when we start like moving and trembling and shaking, or we kind of like jerk, um, and oftentimes this can happen before we fall asleep at night, you know, our leg will kick. This is the movement finally working itself out. It's like your body finally doing what it meant to do so it can finally relax. So shaking is a big one. Um, belching is another one. Because as your organs shift around, um, gas is going to come up. Um, let's see. Th there, there are a couple more like that. Um, one is that you'll feel sensations of heat and colds that are unusual and that have nothing to do with the temperature around you. Um, and and, and uh, there's 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 a there's a lot more just off the top of my head. Yeah. Yes, you start coughing, for example, <laughs> even if you're not sick and don't you know, need, have the need to clear your throat. Is there so? Yeah. So uh, memories will pop into your mind, like I don't know, strange memories or old memories from the past will just pop into your mind. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. smells. 
sense mm. from from old memories um and it could just be a flash but it's just like oh my goodness that's like from from grade school yeah yes. um and all this stuff is getting processed in ways that it'd be tough to figure out but the but it's happening and it's and it's a good thing okay i mean whenever we express these things when when practicing um the standing uh, meditation or in mortal pose or any kind of meditation we should not be fearful, but just know that it's something that is normal, something that's meant to happen. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. Weird, weird things are going to happen. Um, and it's all good. Un- unless, unless you're standing and you feel like a sharp pain in your knee, which means you're out of alignment. Then, then of course you, you want to stop and figure that out because you don't want, you want to be hurt, but yeah, weird things like that. Absolutely. Uh, and especially getting irritated at your environment, because when you pay attention to sensations, all of a sudden the traffic going on outside just cranks up in volume like times 10. <laughs> and yeah. it's just it's just part of the journey. Yeah. So can you educate me on some of the mistakes that we could make? Like, you know, for example, when we are feeling like some sharp pains by our side, like, can you just tell us some of the common mistakes that people make when we're meditating or practicing the mortal post or standing meditation or whatever yeah form of meditation oh yeah definitely i can and i can cover both because a lot of this applies to to any kind of meditation um we often treat it as such like a mental and emotional exercise that we forget that that our physical body is a part of it um so when it when no matter what kind of meditation you do make sure that you are are standing or sitting in a way that your spine is uh, aligned and straight. You don't want to be slouching one way or the other. And now this may seem basic, but a lot of times um, we do so unconsciously because that's just the way us, uh, our bodies have developed, especially from driving, because usually one foot is on the gas or one foot's use on the gas or brake. And we develop a muscular imbalance because of that. Um, so a common mistake is not having an aligned body where we can fully relax our tissues. Um, and the second biggest mistake is actually having tense muscles and not focusing on that. We want to have our muscles as relaxed as humanly possible. Um, because when we do this, that's going to facilitate energy flow. Uh, and muscular tension is like slamming the brakes on the flow of energy. Um, so whenever we meditate, it's good to devote some of your attention to the sensation of relaxing your muscles. And I'm right now, I'm just like touching my shoulders and traps like unconsciously here because that's where a lot of tension can come up. Um, one of the other mistakes is to judge ourselves judge our thoughts and judge how, oh, I'm, I just went off the rails again and I started thinking about this art. No, now I'm feeling this and it's coming up over and over. I thought I got over that. So now not only are we lost in our thoughts, but now we're thinking about our thoughts and just adding that energy to it. Um, those, those are some of the top mistakes for any kind of meditation. For standing meditation, um, not tucking your hips properly. And by that, I just mean not tucking them enough because we're so used to just standing with our spine in its usual curved shape that we forget that when we when we really want to unlock the energy flow, remember, bar stool, tuck those hips, tuck your chin down and relax into the position. Um, it's, it's meant to be something that you can actually stand relaxed in. I, I say relaxed over and over because it's so, so important. Uh, so yeah, those are the top mistakes. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Thank you so much for sharing that. Like, one thing that stood out to me when you mentioned um, tension, 
was what I read on page 100 of your book. Like I wrote, I've noted down, like, <laughs> yeah, you, you write that, you know, life's wake up calls work only if you are relaxed enough to slip out of the ingrained patterns. So, and that part, you, in that chapter or that part of the book, you are talking about eliminating tension in, from our lives. So, are there other ways we could eliminate tension from our life? For example, apart from meditation, like, um, are there like some other simple ways we could quickly eliminate tension from our from our lives so that we can slip out of those ingrained patterns? Well, that's that's a, that's a great question. Um, I'll I'll give you a couple answers because because um, when it comes to our entire lives, uh, the way we meditate can act it, it'll it'll ripple throughout our life. So. I'll start with muscular tension. And I know I already covered this, but it's like in order to relax away the muscular tension, you use your breath. Now, earlier we talked about deep breathing. Well, when we breathe deeply, we can imagine the energy flowing into those tense muscles and then out of them. It's almost like those tense muscles breathe. And this is, a, again, a tension sensation. Now we're going to use imagination by breathing in and out of those tense muscles. It's it's an imagination exercise. Our muscles don't have little lungs in them, but by breathing in and out of them, they will start to relax. That's how we can eliminate tension during meditation. And then the way this is going to ripple into our life is we're less stressed. So because we're less stressed, it's like back when friends would say, hey, Nate, there's something different about you. Other people yeah. will pick up on the difference and they will start to deal with us differently. Um, and when we're less stressed, I think we're more attracted to leading a simple life. Um, mm -hmm. I'm huge, huge on chipping away at my life and actually removing rather than adding to it. So I, I, I try and seek a simple life as possible. Um, that way, I'm never rushed. I, I'm still working on that, but I try my best to never have to rush for an appointment, um, and, and which, again, is going to either add or subtract stress from your life. So when you're never rushing around to meet obligations that you've piled on for yourself, you're going to feel less stressed and you're going to have less tension and you're going to be a more effective person on the simple things you still do devote yourself to. Um, and it's a paradox because when you do that, you'll actually um, be better at building um, a more rich, fulfilling life that you want. It's, it's really cool. Yeah, that, that sounds really cool. Like now, I, I, I can imagine um, someone out there who wants to like, you know, create and cultivate this habit, like, you know, of meditating. So how can one, you know, start it and, you know, stay persistent on it, like without quitting it midway? Like, how do you do it? Like waking up every morning to practice this standing meditation and you continue doing this, you know, for years without um, quitting. Can you share this with us? Well, it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad you asked. And it's kind of funny because I found out accidentally like I just fell into this. Um, so b back when I first started, as you remember, I was drinking alcohol every morning. Yeah. So I was like, well, I I'm not going to meditate after I drink. I I I've tried it a couple times. It's, it's bad. It's weird. Um, so I, I still need to like, and this is just where I was in life. My life was really going bad. I was just in a really bad spot, but I had enough presence of mind to think, okay, well, I'll promise myself to start meditating every day and I'll do it, but I got to do it before I drink any alcohol. So I'll do it first thing in the morning after I brush my teeth and all that. And I started with 60 seconds. And it's funny because again, this is all accidental. It was a standing meditation with my knees unlocked. Well, that made my thighs, my quads like burn after a couple of minutes. So 
I'm like, okay, I got to start with a small amount of time here. I, I was almost like embarrassed. I was like, I thought I was in good, I thought I was in better shape than this. So I was like, okay, 60 seconds. And since I have to build up my strength in my legs and learn to relax, what I'll do is I'll add five seconds per day. Now, and I, and I was thinking to myself, my body won't notice, or, you know, consciously, I won't notice the difference. 65 seconds, 70 seconds. I mean, I can't tell the difference, but on a physiological level, I'll start getting stronger. And the time commitment was so tiny that I was able to start doing it. So 60 seconds, fine, no problem. And then I'll go reward myself with the alcohol I was going to drink anyway. And then 65 and then 70. And by the time a couple of weeks had gone by, the habit started to build itself. Now, by the time a month went by or six weeks went by, I was like, oh, I can add more than five seconds. So I started adding more time. So I fell backwards into the pattern. So here's what it is. And anyone can do this. Pick a bad habit in your life. Something that you, it's an indulgence. Like, you know, after, after a meal, we might um, eat some chips from a bag. Or after, uh, we might take a break from work and pick up our you know, pick up our phones and just start scrolling through social media. Fine. You've, you've got the habit. No judgment. We all have it. If you, if you want to take advantage of that habit, that you meditate just before you do it. And you tell yourself, I will scroll through my phone. Fine. No problem. Or I will go eat those chips. I will go eat those like three cookies I have every day. No problem. I'll watch that show on Netflix. Fine. But before I do it, I'm going to meditate for 60 seconds or any habit you want to install. And what happens is you're negotiating with yourself. You, and then you do your meditation and then you go reward yourself. So you're building positive feedback. And what, what happened with me was that eventually I started feeling so good from the positive habit, meditating, that I was able to drop that bad habit. Now, may, maybe you will, maybe you won't, but either way, you're using the power of a bad habit to fuel a good one. And it's not about the amount of time you put into the bad, uh, the good habit. I didn't promise myself to meditate for like three hours on day one. 60 seconds is all it took. It's doing it day after day after day after day. Brushing your teeth is a habit, but it, it hardly takes like two minutes. But we, it's just part of who we are. It's part of what we do, showering anything or putting on socks in the morning. So once you get to that point, it becomes part of your identity. And then you're unstoppable. So like I said, it was accidental. But now I use that for every good habit that I want to install. And, and anyone can do it. Yeah, I love that. Anyone can do it. That's very encouraging. Yes. But do you believe that it's good for us to like set goals? You know, when, when trying to start meditating or starting a new habit, do we have to set goals for ourselves and say, okay, um, Toby, in six months, you have to be on this level or in, in nine months, you have to have, you know, go to this stage with this habit or with meditation, with any kind of skill that I'm trying to, you know, learn? You know, it's interesting. I, when I was in my early 20s, I set all kinds of goals. And because I didn't have the daily discipline or, or the emotional health, I never, I never achieved a single goal I set. So the, and, and I dropped all goals for my life. Uh, and for a long time, I had none. And I, and I found that by doing the meditations, working on my emotional health and working on just daily activities, I was able to set up my life in such a way where I was able to achieve things I wanted. 
um, without, without setting goals. Today, I, I have a more balanced approach. So my, my philosophy on it right now is um, if you set goals and they work for you, set goals. There's no way I would ever want to interfere with that because it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and today I, I do a lot of setting of intention and it's, it's not so much the time that I, that I emphasize like six months from now, it's more about like really getting super, super specific about what excites me, what jazzes me up and what I find fulfilling. Um, and when it comes to when it comes to a time setting a time, oftentimes projects have deadlines anyway. So that kind of acts like a goal. Um, for instance, um, when I wrote the book, I had the intention of creating the book I wanted, and I had the goal of becoming an author. I was kind of flexible about the publishing date. Um, I self-published it um, because I really want to emphasize doing it the way I wanted to do it. But my my goal absolutely was becoming a published author. And that excited me. It, it, it got me up out of bed earlier to work on my book. So my philosophy is, you know, you've picked your goals correctly when they, um, when just remembering them excites you. If they don't excite you, then I would suggest working on that goal until it does. It needs to like, it's almost like you can feel it propelling you forward. Wow, I love that. Yes, that's awesome. That's great. But like, what are some resistances that you had to like, you know, overcome while, you know, starting meditation, for example, or, or any new skill that you, you've picked up, like, or even for, before writing the book, like, by like some things you had to resist while, you know, um, starting out the adventure of writing a book or meditating or any new thing that you, you started before? You know, I've, always, always, always run into resistance. Um, even today it, you know, and I honestly think it doesn't matter how much like you kind of work on your mind or adapt your life or work on your emotions every day. We still have to have that extra little push that extra little oomph to start doing what we want. Um, like I'm, I'm working on a second book every day. I have to like decide to do it. And I have to remember that there's, I have to pull up that word document and I have to look at the words I have to edit. And every time I'm just like, oh, okay, it's intimidating. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it, you have to get over it. And it's the good news is it only lasts a couple of seconds, but it's mm-hmm. that two seconds where we have to be courageous. Um, and it could be the same thing where if we are going to step outside and go for a jog, or if we're going to like, you know, go over to our floor where there's a carpet and do some calisthenic exercise or have our kettlebells or our weights or anything like that. There's always, always going to be that like two second moment where we encounter that resistance. And I don't think there's any answer other than taking our energy and pushing through it. Um, Other than that, though, we can get resistance from our self-image. Because when we don't see ourselves as a per, as an author, or if we don't see ourselves as a fit person, it can feel weird to, to work out or to write. It can feel strange because part of our body and part of our brain is saying, wait, that's not who I am. And that's where that little drip feed of doing at least a minute per day, every single day, not five, not five days a week, but seven days a week, that's where that's going to come in. Um, and change our self-image, change the way we feel about ourselves so that that, that like big resistance shuts off. Um, 
because any 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 new habit we build, even if it's a good habit, is going to be outside of our comfort zone. Our, our bodies functioned up until today running certain patterns. And as far as our bodies are concerned, those patterns kept us surviving. So if we start to break those patterns, our body, part of our body is going to freak out and think, whoa, 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 you're ending something that we use to survive. So mm-hmm. it's always going to feel weird. So I think that knowledge that's going to feel weird is going to help you break through that. Yeah. Ah, that's good. So we just have to like, you know, have that knowledge and we'll break through this resistance and do what we have to do. Yeah. yeah. And know what's going to be and, and understand it's going to be weird. It's good. It's always going to feel a little weird. <laughs> yes. It's going to be weird at the, at the initial stage, but afterwards we, we, we get that breakthrough and we just, you know, run ahead and go on. Which is also a chapter of your book. Breakthrough is a chapter of your book um, towards the end. Where you talked about, you know, how you became fine, how you finally, um, you know, had your breakthrough with your meditation and you became successful back in life, which is awesome. Yeah. And I mean, we did, we didn't get to talk about it as much, but yeah, there was everything turned out really well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I should mention. So, yeah, when I started mentioning, my life went through tremendous changes. And I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people, when they start on a, a, a meditative practice or a spiritual walk, your life can actually get a bit more chaotic because yes. thing, old things are falling away. Maybe old friends will fall away. I had a falling out with two business partners. I woke up one morning and they changed the passwords on the uh, uh, online software for a business. And yes. I had to move on beyond all that. And I had, I got some really tough manual labor jobs for a while, but eventually, eventually after years, I had the career I wanted. I, I married the woman I wanted to marry. And now we're living in our house together. Um, and it took a while. It took longer than I wanted. It happened in completely unexpected ways. Cause we all have our own personal blueprint we're going to go through, but, um, it, it, things do work out. Yes, that's true. And you, you explained, I love the fact I would love, I encourage everyone to get the book. Um, it's on Amazon, but you could tell us better where else we could get the book from. The, the link of your website will be in the show notes of this episode. So I encourage everyone to get the, the standing meditation, on Amazon, get the link on the show notes, copy it or, you know, click on it and get the book and read about the journey of Nate through, you know, from the lowest point in his life and everything he had to practice to become who he became or who he is right now today. But, I, you know, you, you explained also, you know, about the effort that you had to go, um, you know, you know, um, do, like the effort you had to like, you know, um, how will I say it? The effort you have to give in order to achieve what you achieved. And you talked about the effortless effort also. You talked about, you know, living simply also in the book. I don't know, I don't know if, you have, if you could just, you know, run through these um, phases of your life of giving all this effort that you have to give and the effortless efforts. What does that mean, the effortless efforts for you? Uh, it's a great question. Um, I would love to be able to say that, you know, when you, when you start meditating and, and, and improving your life that you get to you get to um, you get a vacation from effort, <laughs> but you don't, <laughs> you know, no, we're, we're, awesome. we're, yeah, we're here on this planet. We, you, any, anything you want to do, anything you want to accomplish, well, you're going to have to put in effort. It's like we were talking about earlier. You have to put in that, oomph. you have to get over that resistance. That's always going to be there. I'm sorry, but it is. I wish it weren't, but that's what we're, that's right here. That being said, there's also a, a concept. And it's one I learned from Taoism called effortless effort. And it's that moment where you're in the zone and you can extend that moment. It's like when you're having a really good workout and you actually feel stronger than ever. 
Um, it's that moment when you're writing and the words are flowing out of you, or it's when you're communicating with another person and you're just bonding in such a great way that even if you have to put in effort, it feels like you're floating. It, it feels like, oh, it's like I could do this all day. It's like we're having this conversation and I'm making sure that I, I, I deliver value and, and give good information. Um, it'd be easier for me to go sit on the couch and watch Netflix. But at the same time, it feels so effortless because you're asking, you're asking such great questions. You're bringing such great energy. And because I'm relaxed while I do it, um, once you start working on the, your meditation and you're able to resolve a lot of emotional blockages and when you focus on physical relaxation, all things, when you put in effort, it starts to become effortless effort. And once you get a taste of that, you can start figuring out how you personally can um, be in that zone more and more and more. And the more you're in it, the more um, your life will blossom because that, that is one of the like super seekers to success. It's like making sure you're in that state of effortless effort as much as possible. And it seems like a paradox at first or a contradiction until you're in it, until you're in the zone. And then you're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I get this now. <laughs> yes. And what was the importance of patience in all of this journey? Like you, you, you said it already, like it took you a long time. It was not your blueprint. Like um, you, you met the love of your life, but not at the time you wanted it. You know, to meet her, for example, like um, you, you achieved everything you, you achieved in life, but not at the particular time or set, you know, set point, um, set point of, of your life that you wanted it to happen. But all of this also required patience, I believe, like, you know, carrying out all of this uh, meditation or the immortal post and waiting for the results to kick in and, you know, transforming your life, you know, this slow process, slow journey of transformation. So what's the importance of, you know, patience in all our journeys of life? Uh, that's a great question. Um, and it's another one of those things where it's like, you know, don't shoot the messenger, but this, this is just what I figured out. This is how it is. Look, look at the way the world works. And I'm talking about nature because Taoists were really big on studying nature and how it works. If you look at the way water flows through a river and carves that river, that takes eons. We're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of years. That's how canyons are carved. If you look at mountains, when mountain ranges are created, it's, it's it, through tectonic plates, like basically mushing together. And, and, and part of them turns upward and creates this mountain. It takes time. Not only does it take time, but the returns are going to be really, 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 really tiny at first. And, and you can, it's not just nature. You can see this in investment. When you invest in a company, um, like it could be uh, you could invest in uh, Facebook or Google or I guess the company is called Alphabet now. Or if you invest in um, this, uh, uh, like Nestle or something like that, all, uh, like a huge publicly traded company. Um and some of these, especially like Nestle, uh, some of these companies have been around for decades and decades and decades. And when you invest in them, you might think, oh, okay, it's my investment's just sitting there. It's doing nothing. But it takes time. As time goes by, slowly and slowly and slowly, the returns build and build until actually they start, they start building very quickly. But the quickness took time to get there, and that required the patience. Um, when we started a new workout, you know, you could you could go out and do an hour of cardio 
And if you go look in the mirror, you're going to, you, you might think, oh, I look the same, but you're in, you're, you're starting a physiological process that if you build the habit, eventually after enough time has gone by, other people are going to look at you and be like, you're so lucky. You look incredible. And, and, you, and you're going to have to tell them, it's like, look, it's, it was the patience I had to have to go through the time. Um, there's, there's an old saying, the best time in life to plant a tree was 25 years ago. The second best time is right now. So it's, it's a harsh truth, but, but it's absolutely true. Um, and all this requires patience. But the thing is, patience is, is an emotional thing. Um, you can be going in a plane traveling 600 miles per hour and feel really impatient to get to your destination. Or you could be driving down the highway and there's no cars at all and you're going 70. Um, I don't know what that is in kilometers per hour, sorry, but 70 miles per hour. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you could be like, wow, I'm, I'm cruising here. This is great. I'm, I'm making great time. Mm-hmm. It, it has nothing to do with the speed. It's all about your emotional response. So it's one of those things when you remember, it's, 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 it's about your emotional response. That's, that's one of the ways we can remember patience. Mm-hmm. So now we have to work on the way we, um, we have to work on our emotional intelligence also, I want to say, like how we respond to things emotionally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, emotional intelligence and patience, it's like they are intertwined, absolutely intertwined. Yes. And one thing your, your book touched on, or at some point that I would love us to still talk about, that I would love you to teach me about, is about, you know, in chapter two, you talked about, you know, coping with pain, which you, um, you know, dealt with. Um, it, towards the end, you talked about I think chapter twenty-one or twenty. I don't. I'm not sure again what the <laughs> number of chapter is. You talk about um, chaos, and somewhere in between, I think page seventy, you were talking about um, stagnation, and I, I I noted that part where you you listed you had like a list of things that stagnation could cause in our lives, and the first thing was pain also, and that's you know made me refer to chapter two again. And you said, um, you know, you know that a common saying in Chinese medicine is where there is stagnation, there is pain. And where there's pain, there's stagnation. So can you enlighten me on, on these three things of life that we go through, like pain, stagnation, and chaos in life? How do we you know, deal with them when we experience them? Uh, that's a great question. Um, pain is, uh, at, its, at its core, a signal that something's wrong. Um, and it, it's awful. It's, 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 it's terrible. I know a lot of people who've dealt with tremendous amounts of physical pain. And sometimes in this life, in this incarnation, um, we deal with pain that it, it's hard to get rid of and maybe even impossible. And, it, and it's terrible. But a much of our pain in life, much of our pain in life can be um, eliminated. We just have to figure out what the signal is trying to do, how it's trying to get our attention. Like I know someone who experienced a lot of physical pain in life and she got the lesson that she needed to be more in touch with her body. Now it's weird because her body was sending her pain signals, which makes one want to get away from the sensations of your body. And yet the lesson was actually to get more in tune with her body um, and to feel more grounded in her body. So when you recognize that pain is a signal, and this could be emotional pain, um, and, and it could also be physical pain, or, or even something like mental or spiritual pain, that's just something is off, there's something going on in life. When you treat it as a signal, the best thing you, you can do is to start to put on your detective hat and feel grateful for the pain. Now, I, I'm not saying this is easy. 
this could be the toughest thing in the world. And I, I don't want to be like preaching like, no, 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 you should be grateful for Spain. It's like, because there's some people going through pain in life that I could not possibly understand. I'm just saying what's worked for me. Yeah. When you feel grateful for the pain and it's something so it's like, okay, thank you so much. What you're doing is you're opening the door to being able to receive the, the signal, the lesson that the pain is trying to send you. And it's usually going to send you towards some kind of stagnation in your life. Now, with physical pain, it could be that there's something wrong um, with the way you're standing or sitting that's causing your hip to hurt, or your shoulder to hurt because there's muscular tension, because there's some kind of emotional memory that you need to resolve to relax your muscles, to align your body, to get rid of the pain. And I've been there. I've been, you know, with shoulder pain and knee pain, and that's the process. So you, but you wouldn't know that unless you realize, oh, okay, pain's a signal to go look for the stagnation in my life. Uh, same with, same with emotional pain. Um, it's usually trying to signal that there's some kind of a pattern that you need to break and get over. And it's going to require getting out of your comfort zone because the relief from pain is always going to come outside your comfort zone. Otherwise, it wouldn't have gotten to the point where your body had to actually send that signal to you. Um, yeah. Now, how to tie that into chaos? Now, that's a, that's a really interesting question. You might have stumped me on that one, but I <laughs> but I think it, I think it comes down to this because I talk about in the book how um, chaos it's, it's not just like disorder. Chaos means like a really small effect that ripples into a really big one, and it's like insanely difficult to measure. Hence, chaos. Um, when we have, a, when we lead a life, we're always setting up these chaotic like ripples throughout our life. And if, if they're damaging bad habits, they're going to come, these ripples are going to come back in the form of pain. And it's up to us to try and figure out what was that little thing that set it off that came back to me to hurt me. So a little emotional hangup can reverberate back as physical pain if, if, it, if we deal with like, five or 10 years of muscular tension because that's going to result in a lot of pain. Um, so it's up to us to try and weave our way through the patterns to find the original source so we can resolve it and then set up good habits so that when our uh, chaos ripple makes those ripples, they actually come back to us as blessings. Um, and, and then, and that's an opportunity that's available to everyone. It just, it just takes that, it takes that effort and it takes that patience. Yeah, and sometimes we have to like step out of our comfort zone in order to get these solutions, which is also a big challenge on its own. You know, yeah. Your comfort zone could be very, very challenging. <laughs> oh, it is. It, it always is. No joke. It's, it's no joke. You know, and but do you have like, you know, tips for someone out there who like, or for me, for example, if, if I want to leave my comfort zone, for example, do you have like some things I could, you know, implement or try out in order to make it easier for me to step out of my comfort zone? Yeah, I've, some people like to say like, hey, if you're going to step out of your comfort zone, like tell all your friends about what you're going to do and then just like do something totally crazy and leap out of your comfort zone and get, you know, <laughs> I, do, I do not, I do not ascribe to that. Um, because if I'm going to, nudge my way out of my comfort zone i want to make it as easy as possible because just the act of getting out of your comfort zone is a challenge it's going to feel uncomfortable it's going to hurt so i want to get everything on my side so i i'm always a big fan of of treating it like stretching like if you're going to physically stretch your legs 
You do it slowly. You do it gently. If you don't, you're going to hurt yourself. Um, I think the same thing when we, when we get out of our comfort zone. Seek to do so in little ways and build up little victories so that as you're doing it, you can look back on those little victories and feel good about yourself. Um, for instance, if, if I'm, if, if, if I'm going to like want to get on a podcast, for instance, and reach out to someone like you, and I'm nervous about doing it, I'm going to say to myself, okay, sit down at your computer and write a message. You don't have to send it, just write it. And that's getting me outside of my comfort zone. And after I write it, I'm going, oh, okay, well, I wrote it. So do I want to send it now? And then maybe I'll actually push the button and send it. Breaking it down to even that little bit can be a, a tremendously healthy exercise. So that, that, that's how I get outside my comfort zone. Oh, that's excellent. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So if, if there's something you could tell your 70-year-old self, you know, who was in the basement with your elder brother playing video games, <laughs> or your younger self, you know, that was on, on that, you know, dead tree branch across the river, or follows your dad to the library to read a book, for example. From this, your standpoint of view of your, of your life currently, if you could look back and tell those younger selves or younger versions of yourself something, what, what would that be? Um, I would say it's all going to work out and that instead of focusing on this mental chatter and pointing at my head right now, you focus on your breathing and you focus on that meditative state. Um, and it's going to help you in ways that you won't be able to predict. And that's okay. And then I teach him that deep breathing exercise. <laughs> that's or I teach myself. <laughs> that's what I would teach myself, honestly, because we're, we've got tremendous resources for knowledge in this world, but really now we need to combine that with getting back in touch with our being. So that's, that's what I would say. Oh, that's excellent. Nate. Thank you so much for everything you shared with me in this episode. Like, we can't, we can't discuss everything that is packed in this book, this standing meditation. I'll encourage everyone to pick up the book, um, you know, read it, download the ebook, and, you know, go through the whole journey that Nate has been blessed to experience and how he was able to transform his life. But if there's someone out there who would like to connect with you or work with you in some ways or form, what was the best way to do this? Um, Right now, the best way is to go to uh, naterifkin.com. It's just my name, N-A-T-E-R-I-F-K-I-N. Um, and I write on there. It's it's my blog. And there's also more information about my book there. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you mentioning my book because I took three years to work on that. And I really wrote it for if someone was starting at zero, how they could change their lives. So, yeah, that's that. And starting with that book really is the best way. Awesome. Thank you so much. Is there any other thing you would love to tell us that we were not able to cover during this conversation? Is there any word of advice or any point you, you find very important that you love the listeners to know about? You have a birthright to, to success and love and, fee, and, and loving yourself. And no matter where you, you are in life, that is your birthright. And even if you don't think that's true, even if you don't feel that's true, um, one of the ways to start feeling that way is to is to take time to breathe deeply and to feel into the sensations of your body and love yourself. So I, I, that that is what I would say. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nate. This was so awesome. It was wonderful speaking with you, and I'm so blessed that I got this opportunity to learn so much from you about breathing and about your journey of life and about you know meditation, understanding meditation precisely. Thank you so much. Thank you. I was honored to be here. Wow. You made it to the very end of this episode. 
Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye.